0: Good evening. Good morning. Good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. Welcome back to Social Convos. It is episode 69 and Jean-Luc, you have a profile picture on. What's that about for this episode?
1: PVP they call it, right? That's, that's.
0: PFP? Yeah, yeah. PFP. Right?
1: Yeah, PFP. So, uh, yeah, for those that don't know, I got the chicken fox. So we're, we're experimenting a little bit with, with going full meta today. And people will be very annoyed by this, but uh, I thought it was worth to try. And for 69. We ended up going with a different route than initially anticipated because I didn't go after a guest very hard me after I got the chicken box, because I kind of knew I wouldn't be able to be on screen or representable on screen. And of course, having a guest on it would be fun if I could show my face, which I cannot. So I'm using one of my high funks instead.
0: All right, and yes, speaking of Hivepunk, we pivoted the topic of this conversation. Basically, since we can't do the traditional way of 69, we're going to pivot it to 69 ways to get started in the crypto NFT and Web3 space. Not sure if we'll hit 69 points within the hour limit, but we are sure that I'm going to try. Isn't that right, Jean-Luc?
1: Yeah. So what we're just going to do is just, if you want to get started with crypto, if you want to get started with NFTs, if you just want to get started in the Web3 space, we're just going to list a lot of things and you can just cross them off. And if you think it's fun, by the end of the episode, you can tell us how many of those things you've experienced yourself. And if you don't think it's fun, well, you can uh, just listen in and see what's relevant for you. So let's start off with the first one. Read the Bitcoin white paper. How how important do you think that one is? It's,
0: I would say, not as important as it used to be. I, I'd say, it depends on who you are. Getting into the space, like, if you truly want to understand what the a peer to peer transaction is, then and you're a bit technical, then yes, I would recommend reading it. But for the average person, like the 80, 90% of the general population, I don't think it's that relevant at this point anymore, especially with
1: yeah, like the- More financial, right? That's, yeah. that's really what you're saying. Okay. So, so if- Have you, have you read it? I actually started reading it again I read Reddit a couple of years ago.
0: Yeah. Well, one thing it's, it's really short, it's like, like a few yeah. pages. So yeah. that was one, one good side. So it's, it's a the very basic concept of a peer to peer transactions through cryptographic digital transactions.
1: It's also very technical. So that's also another thing. So it's, it's about eight pages actually. It's not that, that lengthy, but. And then I think that would that helps. When before, like I have to read a white paper, you're expecting like a 30 page essay or something, but it's not. It's it's relatively short. But I think I wonder what if if is there something similar to that document for NFTs?
0: No, <laughs> similar to that document in, in that short description, I, I think the closest thing or the best thing you'd probably have for. Someone very new is go to YouTube and start there. I'd recommend looking up, what's his name? Gold Fusion, the Google Trade Australian oh, YouTuber. Of as you. the, yeah. He has some really in-depth explainer videos, usually around 15 to 20 minutes about very different topics. So he's usually one of my go-to sources. And there's a few other channels like explainer channels, but if I had to recommend a starting point, it's Cold, Fusion, Cold Fusion's
1: YouTube channel. Okay. Then I'm a bit, yeah, I would say the next step would get in on a faucet. How do
0: you feel? Uh, call Well, I personally, not to, f- I've actually never done it. I, I don't really resonate with the concept, but for the people listening in, could you briefly explain what Faucet is and how it A faucet,
1: a faucet is basically a drip of, of, of good faith, of good fortune, in the sense that there are websites that are paying out like really small increments of different cryptos, but also Bitcoin. And they just pay out certain parts of, of, of crypto. And if you're well, if you're committed enough You can get enough out of it that if you do it for three months, you have something to start with. And basically the only thing you have to do is spend 15 minutes of your day to collect three faucets a day for three months. And you don't have to, because one of the things, the reason why I mentioned faucet is a lot of people are scared to buy, and we've discussed this before, especially for of some countries. I even mean, in the Netherlands. I was in the Netherlands and one of the students where I spoke at she mentioned like this this app and I was like, okay. And then the next day I saw the app on television promoting it. So like in Western countries it's kind of easy because there are all these apps who can bring your money directly from your bank account or directly from wherever you want straight into to crypto while well, it's a little more difficult in the developing country you either have like a go to person or you have to really know all the loopholes to get to the situation where yeah there's there's
0: crypto. no straightforward there's no straightforward- in that infrastructure
1: to buy to buy your first fraction of bitcoin yeah. for instance so faucet would be like the easiest way to not have to invest any money you just invest your time and I think this is definitely underrated for younger people who still have a lot of time on their hands. I mean, if you're going, if you're on a, in high school, I mean, all of, in, in high school, it's the easiest to just, before you go to school, you claim your faucet. When you collapse buy back from school, you claim your faucet. And before you go to sleep, you claim your faucet. You claim your faucet three three times a day. And I mean, that's free. It's, it's literally free. And I thought it was a joke in 2017, 18. And then when the market jumped and all these faucets, of course, a lot of faucets, they they that. stop paying out, they die off. Because when when it becomes too expensive, they stop. But it's a great way to to get your first five dollars or your first ten dollars worth of crypto just by getting something for free. So that's that's the concept of a faucet. And for those that want to get into it easily and be able to say like, oh, I own a friction of a Bitcoin, I own a friction of an Ethereum. I mean, Foss it's the easiest way.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's to get actually experiencing that transaction. I I would say it's the added value because the the amount you'd get is very insignificant. But uh, it's really uh, important that you learn over time, but yes, I, I do agree on that part. Uh, that, I that I work. can
1: actually honestly say that from I think six months of faucets in 2018, I ended up with over a hundred dollars in the end.
0: Is that when was that hundred dollar at the end of the six months, The value that the no no was no.
1: At the end of six months, it was like five or ten dollars.
0: But thanks it to well, the bull market in, of in twenty three
1: years, three years later, okay, four years later, it, it was yeah. so. And, and why, why faucets are also interesting, because you also learn about different, sometimes, not always. And you also learn the difference between actual money and click money. Could you elaborate on click money and mm-hmm. have a like starting
0: point for people so on getting...
1: Also less familiar for us, but more familiar for other countries is that there are these, some are click farms, others are research sites. And there are these research sites where you can actually earn up to $5 for doing a farm or research or marketing research or things like that. And it's, it's very expensive for, for a Western country. It's really expensive to convince somebody to do a marketing research, to be part of their market research, because they can't find anybody who's willing to spend 30 minutes, or 20 minutes, or even 10 minutes, filling in a form. And they need the data as well to collect kind of how human psychology works. So you can actually fill in in those forms where somebody in real life would get paid $15 for it. They can pay you $1.50 online and they are satisfied and you're satisfied. So
0: it's mainly for uh, acquiring research data.
1: Yeah, it's research data, okay. and based on how long the farm is, the, that's decides on how much they will pay pay you out. But just to give you an idea that those things are also there, but then you can see like how much a faucet gives you compared to 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 these kind of jobs. And there's also something else. Most of these faucets also have a gambling part. Oh. <laughs> And I'm talking about faucets, people. I'm not talking about the gambling part. Don't think like, oh, I got 6. 0.0001 Bitcoin. Let's see if I can make it 0. 0.0002 Bitcoin by doing a high or low gamble. No, just go in for the faucet, collect your faucets when it's big enough to attract, to transfer, transfer it. And please keep in mind that there is, of course, a transaction fee. And that's where it's good to learn with faucets as well. Because she immediately learned learn about transaction fees and how much of things work. So that's why I think a faucet is a good start as well. That be yeah.
0: Like, yeah. Only thing I, will, I want to add to faucet is, especially if you're going to look into Ethereum or Ethereum-like networks, especially the testnets, if you're more on a developer side, they have faucets that, you know, distribute like starting funds to experiment on the testnet. So... That's also one way to look at it more from a educational okay. development side.
1: Yeah, that's pretty cool. Then I want to go to the next one. Get in on an airdrop.
0: So for airdrops, yeah, airdrops is very broad in this context, but basically quick definition airdrop is basically if you've participated in something or you own a particular coin or something, or you registered for something, basically the the company or the, the network will reward these individuals with a certain asset or a token or whatever by magically appearing in your wallet. Basically, they send send it to your wallet as a reward. It's not really magically, but for being part of something, you get something else in the return. And that's basically
1: the airdrop. Yeah. How do you feel about Do you think that's better than a faucet?
0: I'd say it's more... It feels more I, I'm not sure tangible is the right word, but I think the the feeling is more visceral if you weigh an airdrop versus a faucet because people like yeah it it weighs more especially in the n f t space I think that that has kind of a bit diluted it, but I would rank an airdrop a tad above faucet for me. But airdrops are also harder to get into. It's more limited, I think, and very more niche. And most of the time, you need to own a different asset already to receive the benefits of the airdrop.
1: Yeah, I mean, that would be more difficult, of course, for the. Then let's, let's go a little bit more from, from the technical, yeah, not necessarily technical, but from the setup side, get a separate email address.
0: I can see this being very useful from a security perspective, but on the other hand, you don't even need a crypto email address. Uh, if you really want to go, you know, hardcore crypto, (laughs) uh, but for exchange communication, etc., uh, where you do require an email, then just get a separate e- email address. Have you done that?
1: I actually have, but I don't. I use different mails for different kind of things, so it's really hard to say that I have an email address completely separate for Web Two. Like some some things, if it's something centralized, I even use my. I, in some cases I use one of my primary, one of my three primary emails because it's just easier. And if it's something that's completely decentralized, especially it's, it's mainly for the security things that I don't trust. If it's something that I don't trust, I definitely use my, my anonymous emails. Yeah. And I,
0: I don't necessarily have anonymous emails, but what I do when it's a uh, very shady side, there's this app or platform where you can generate, generate temporary email addresses. And then well, well, no, 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 no,
1: no. if, if, if I go into shady website, it's not that shady that I will ever use that same email address again.
0: <laughs> so. Yeah. So you just generate a temporary email to see what you actually get. And then well. after a few hours or I think a few minutes that email address gets discarded or recycled. So I actually have an app for on my phone that I need to go for those situations. Wow. Okay. But yeah, if from a security perspective, depending on how, how hardcore you are, definitely get a separate email address for those types of things. But for general uses, usually you don't have to go that route yet, but it's something to consider once you go in deeper.
1: Get an account on an exchange, getting an account on an exchange.
0: This is a process and it's very tricky. And maybe you should, if, if we're talking about exchanges, then uh, I would generally refer to the bigger, more well-known exchanges. So let so FTX.
1: Okay. So uh, give us the top five exchanges.
0: I would consider Binance. The top five FTX in the top five Kraken, not so much in volume, but based on the reputation and how long they've existed, I would put Kraken there. KuCoin is if you want to go into the more not so well-known alternative coins. Coin is a fairly decent one and a fifth one. Let's see, did I miss coin, Coinbase is the...
1: I was uh, going to wonder if you're going to put the Coinbase in. Okay.
0: is, is the most okay. user-friendly one, I think, yeah. but... So KuKai
1: yeah. over Bittrex.
0: Oh, I, I have discarded Bittrex completely nope. just because of the terrible, in my experience, customer service so far and the listing and delisting of coin happening abruptly and then... KYC over KYC every time. And yeah, not, that not well. much of a nice experience. Same with Poloniex. There's in the early days, Poloniex was very popular, but if you read into the history of Ethereum and Bitcoin and you'll see some shady stuff that happened with Poloniex.
1: So what about, have you, have you tried Gate IO? Heard of it, haven't
0: tried it. So these are the. Centralized exchanges, right? Of course you also have decentralized exchanges, but for the beginner. Yeah, okay,
1: with, I think Google I think, will.
0: Yeah. Stick to the centralized exchanges. Yeah, right. like one of these top five yeah. and you should be reasonably okay. Yeah. And setting up account is basically email and email password and some verification. Not all of them require full verification. You can set up a account, but. You'll be very restricted if you don't go through the KYC and verify it through identification with your passport or ID. Yeah. On one side. That
1: that brings brings up to the next point, get your account verified on the exchange.
0: I avoid doing that as much as possible if it's not necessary.
1: Okay. But in some cases you can trade, in some cases you can't even trade if you don't.
0: Yeah. So. And each exchange has its use cases, but in general, if you have a, it's, if your purpose is just to, you know, withdraw or deposit like regularly, then yes, you'll have to go through the verification and then generally use either FTX, uh, Binance or Coinbase, those are the popular ones.
1: Okay. And of course the last one from this block. Buy a fraction of Bitcoin.
0: Yes. Yes. All I can say to this one is yes. Once you've done that, transfer it from one wallet to another, even if the fees are ridiculous, just do it with what you can afford. Of course. I think that the first time me and a friend actually pulled like, was it $50? 50 or a hundred dollars to. Through this very shady website to get Bitcoin, because few years back these big exchanges weren't even as accessible as they are now, so it was even harder. But that first transaction opened the floodgates, basically, of okay, the convenience, the the experience, etc. So, doing that, I would say yes, and do it with Bitcoin, not not another thing. You could do it with Ethereum, crypto. but Ethereum has ridiculous fees, so I would still do Bitcoin over Ethereum, but Bitcoin or Ethereum.
1: So your first crypto, for me personally, my first crypto purchase was Bitcoin.
0: Yeah. Yeah. My first crypto transaction was Ethereum though.
1: Yeah. But the,
0: the first actual purchase was, yeah, I think it was Bitcoin. Because you could also purchase Bitcoin and then exchange that Bitcoin for other stuff. Yeah. You couldn't directly purchase it.
1: I bought for $7,000 in US. I didn't buy, I, I, I bought when I brought, bought a fraction, I bought at the price of $7,000 in US. I,
0: I was about to say <laughs> that you buy X.
1: Well, no, yeah, I bought yeah. full Bitcoin. I didn't have that one.
0: So yeah, so summing it up, I would sum this up is if you're just getting started, focus on Bitcoin, get that exchange or get it from someone else but or through a faucet or something. But experiencing that first transaction is key, I think, for most beginners to unlock that
1: next phase. Nice. So let's get on to the next block. Read about Ethereum.
0: So Ethereum has a very, I would say, convoluted history, but my, now my go-to resource, if you're really interested in the history of Ethereum, I would recommend uh, The crypto, the Cryptopians, authored by Laura Shin. It actually got released, I think a few months ago, I got a copy and she's an investigative reporter and she actually went back and made it into a book form on what happened from the founding of Ethereum and the big hack that happened in 2016, was it? How that happened and how, you know, Ethereum Classic got forked, et cetera. So it's a very interesting read on the development of Ethereum, but not just, not just Ethereum, just how organizations work in general. And okay,
1: so, so clarify for us. Because you're saying correctly, there's Ethereum Classic and there's Ethereum. And Ethereum basically is the forked version of Ethereum Classic, meaning that Vitalik is not the founder of the original Ethereum or Ethereum Classic, but founder of the current form of Ethereum, which everybody works with. No. Okay, explain to us what's actually going on.
0: So you basically had Ethereum, ju- just Ethereum, and it has been uh, co-founded by of uh, a few others, but Vitalik was first doing, uh, was writing Bitcoin magazine, was very interested in Bitcoin, but Bitcoin's had its limitation and he wanted to do more, right? That, that programmatic layer on top of this cryptographic technology on, on top of the blockchain tech. And that's what, when the... Ethereum white paper was written by him and he sent this to different experts in the spaces and then they came together from developers to investors. And I think a a group of five or six people kind of formed the, the, the founding Ethereum first version. And you had two core developer teams. I think one was based in the Netherlands or Germany, I think. But that developed and they developed that it started in 2015, I think, I developed it over that period. But in 2016, I might be a year off. You had already lots of developers developing different types of coins, tokens on top of Ethereum. And the, the DAOs, Decentralized Autonomous Organizations that are very popular now, that was kind of one of the experiments with it. And they launched a DAO, that's why it's called the DAO hack. And there was something wrong with the contract and the hacker kind of exploited that, and this was separate from the core Ethereum team, but to maintain the functionality of the Ethereum chain, Vitalik and the main Ethereum team intervened in that to salvage before the whole chain was destroyed as an after-effect of the DAO hack and they made the hard decision to fork it and kind of refund people who were how do you call this, you know, exploited by the hack. But then you had the maximalists on having the view of you can't do that. Otherwise you're going to be doing the same thing. And that's why the, where the classic came, the old chain state and the hack fund state in that way, but the majority moved over to the fork chain. So actually Ethereum as we know it now, it's not in its original form. It is the fork version. That part you did have correct, but. Yeah.
1: So, so with the, I think it's very interesting to see all has rolled and that gem Classic has not rolled along with it because it doesn't hold the same structure, if I will say that.
0: Yeah. I, I won't say same structure there, there's the no development basically yeah. because all the core developers moved uh, with Vitalik Ethereum to you know, patch these exploits, hacks, et cetera, to make it more secure. So all the activity moved to the Ethereum chain and classic just stayed as a speculative element for exchanges. And, and that's how it's being kept alive mostly by that speculative element, but not that there's much development or not at all happening from what I've seen lately.
1: Okay.
0: But if you read the Cryptopians, it's a very thick book, but very interesting to see the founding history and just how much backstabbing happened.
1: <laughs> but that's always the case. I mean, that's, that's also with traditional companies and organizations. If you read about Ethereum, should you also read about Ethereum-based altcoins or tokens?
0: I, I would stick to Ethereum, get an understanding of that and understand what the tokens can do because every other coin out there is the next Ethereum killer or the next solution to this. But Ethereum itself as a, you know, platform blockchain has limitations. So having a understanding of that base layer is fundamental if you're going to look into other, especially Ethereum based tokens, I would recommend sticking to Ethereum and understanding the, the smart contracts part first before randomly going to another coin, unless it's something you're really, you know, passionate about, maybe about education, maybe about file storage, etc. and then reverse learn about Ethereum, but the foundation is still Ethereum. And I think that's very important to know first. Nice. And then you'll be able to more easily filter like, okay, is this a sham? Is this a scam? Is this a loot and scoot or whatever it is? Okay. Or is this actually somewhat seems far fetched, but it is possible. And then you, you can start peeling up some layers.
1: Okay. So we have a fraction of Bitcoin, you get a fraction of Ethereum and you get to do one else coin.
0: Can you repeat this? Are, are you asking me are, to?
1: So basically, we're yeah, You're new. You're diving into crypto. You bought a fraction of you know, Bitcoin. You bought a fraction of Ethereum. You get to buy one altcoin. I and mean, we're not talking about putting hundreds or thousands of dollars in. You could put like $10 in. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that.
0: If you purely want to
1: experiment, um, uh, You do it in something you believe in, like you just said, like I believe in cloud storage, so I'm going to connect with that. I believe in NFT, so I'm going to connect with, for instance, flow, or I believe getting earnings from writing, so I'm going to invest in hives. I believe in in gaming, so I'm going to invest in Xe Infinity. It really depends basically on what you, what you believe in and you should be free to invest a little or just dabble a you little know, into one specific outcome, right?
0: Yeah, that that's totally up to you for pure experimentation, but not as a financial decision. If if I had to add another one, actually, probably be Doge, just for the loss.
1: Yeah. So that, that's actually, you put that one off my list now, right? Bit of Doge. Yeah, definitely. And that's that's the reason I kind of put it in there. Okay, so now you you well well build up a small portfolio. I mean, you could put in like fifty bucks, a hundred bucks, and you have a fraction of Bitcoin, a fraction of Ethereum, and you have some Doge. And then the next question comes in: Should you go on on crypto Twitter?
0: Oh yeah. So one thing you'll often hear referred to is the CT a abbreviation for Crypto Twitter. And Twitter is basically the, yeah, the people's platform about niche projects like this. And obviously there's scams happening all over the place, but no other platform has, in my experience at least, has the energy that Twitter has, specifically Crypto Twitter on developments happening, people responding. If if you have an idea or you want to be part of a project or a company, it's easiest to engage in crypto Twitter and connect with people can even apply for jobs. If you're a developer or something, Twitter would be the recommended place to go over LinkedIn over. I think Reddit could still work, but I, I would still place Twitter over Reddit just cause of the, the velocity of. Information. No,
1: for volume as well.
0: Yeah, volume and velocity of information. I think
1: yeah. if you want a deep dive with more background info, Reddit could be useful as well.
0: Yeah, but usually when you're on Twitter, either they'll write up Twitter threads, like that's a whole thread with maybe twenty tweets talking about a topic, or they're either linked to a larger resource, like that's on Reddit or on Substack or something similar. But I, I would recommend the go to place is definitely Twitter okay. to get, get stay at the loop. Do you have next, other?
1: Next up, or engage with the community of your altcoin or that platform on Twitter. I
0: think, well, what are your thoughts on this side? How would you limit engagement? Yeah. Maybe start what, with that.
1: What do you mean? Why would you want to limit engagement?
0: Nene, how would you define engagement? Are you engaging or seeing other people engage?
1: Well, see, here's the thing about it. You don't start off by tweeting and being the all, the know-it-all who knows everything about that platform. I mean, it starts off with learning. Like you said, it starts off with listening in on the conversation and just understanding. Then Then you go to kind of hoarding information and, trying to collect then you become a collector so you're first you're an inactive then you become a collector you collect information and then you get into the phase where you start maybe liking the tweets that you connect with the most and following the people within the space that you feel have the most you you, you're the most behind when it comes on come to their thoughts and then you start comment on their tweets when you have something that you feel like you want to say. I think that's where you start. And only after all those steps that I explained would be that you would start posting tweets of your own. Uh, Okay. To start
0: off, what would be your recommendation or, you know, way to go for, for a beginner for finding people to follow?
1: Oh, that's easy. Just follow the hashtags.
0: So do you have like a top three hashtag for a starting person?
1: No, because the the hashtags are decided by by them, right? So of course you could go hashtag Bitcoin, hashtag Ethereum, and hashtag the the altcoin that you, the alternative coin that you picked out. So that would be the easiest way to start. And then you see the conversations and you follow the people that you feel are most interesting to follow. I think that that's a good place to start.
0: Yeah. One recommendation I do want to add for Twitter is at least in the settings to put it on latest tweets instead of having the algorithm curate for you. Because that's going to give you like the Facebook bias view. So I'm not sure if it's by default now, but with the recent Twitter updates, I think you, you have to switch it every now and then. Yeah. That's a good tip. Because you want to stay with recent information. Like, uh, like I mentioned before, ph- philosophy and volume do better.
1: We, we've really touched the basics on getting started. Now some more getting proof of work kind of stuff. Buy your first product or service with crypto. That's can you purchased with crypto? I'm wondering. The, okay. the
0: act, actual first purchase, like a consumer good,
1: a, or a service. I my first purchase with crypto was a service. It wasn't a physical good.
0: Uh, my mine was actually a physical good, and it was actually two books on Amazon: it was Gary Vaynerchuk, "Crush It" or "Crushing It," the second one, and "The Art of War."
1: Okay, interesting. And you could. With, with, what did you pay
0: Ethereum? Uh, actually Bitcoin. Bitcoin, okay. But it was through a platform. I forgot the name of it. They don't exist anymore, but it was a few years ago. But what they did is they kind of bridged the connection to Amazon, whereas you can, could make a wish list on Amazon and then connect it to that platform and the, the Bitcoin that you have on it. Platform would be used to do the actual purchase on Amazon.
1: My first purchase with crypto was either a signature, a gift signature, for my flog, for my blocks, or a flock intro and outro for my flocks. I honestly don't know which one I purchased earlier.
0: And what, what was this with Bitcoin? What, with Hype. Hype, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of interesting.
0: But yeah, as you, when you mentioned proof of work earlier, I was thinking of the other proof of work, but uh, you mean an actual transactional example of, you know, you yeah, can but, actually use it at the real You can
1: point. actually use this because one yeah. of the options that people have with crypto is like, yeah, but it's not, it's more than a or you can't do anything with it. Yeah. I don't have another one. Give some crypto away.
0: Yeah, that is uh, one way to go. You could either try and make your own crypto, but giving <laughs> some, some no, crypto no, away.
1: That, that's not something for a crypto loop to do that. <laughs> if our crypto loops did that, then we would have made a bigger problem.
0: Giving some crypto away is basically, of course, it's going to be an insignificant amount for giveaways, but. It's basically kind of familiar. It's status. significant
1: for you, but it might be significant for somebody else. Yeah, no, but that's, uh, not, that's what I, most giveaways are. It's insignificant it's amounts for the person giving it away and the person receiving it. It's very for them. It's very significant.
0: Yeah, and I, I'm not. I'm referring to the monetary value, but yeah. I would say ignore the monetary value. It's more about that. Experiencing, like, how do you actually do a transaction? And for the other people, the new people, uh, if you're a newbie, interesting, newer people is that experience of, oh, this is what a sending a transaction feels like. This is a process of, you know, going through that wallet, et cetera. And each wallet has its different like pros and cons or, you know, usability. And not all of them are very user friendly. And are you going to use a exchange wallet like Coinbase or, or are you going to use a self-custody wallet like MetaMask or a hardware wallet like Ledger? These are all things you need to consider in that experience and try it on each different platform.
1: I want to jump on to that one and say, compare the transaction with an international cash or an international bank transaction. So what
0: what, what is the, because I haven't done any actual, like, international wire transfers, like, in forever. I don't think I've ever done one.
1: You need, like, a Swift code or IBAN code and then...
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I've done it once or twice, but I don't remember what it was like or what the fees were, because I've heard horror stories like, oh, these are the fees, but then suddenly it arrives at the other person and then there's another fee of their local bank because they had to go to an, Intermediary bank and that had their own fee again, so it it, it stacks a lot. Or yeah, so we have the, can be unpredictable. the
1: regulatory blocks. fee, which is, I think, somewhere between fifteen and twenty dollars, but then you can also have like local fees, which often are in percentages. So that's where it gets ugly.
0: Yeah, so at the moment, like. When you're sending larger amounts, percentages start getting ugly real bad. And if you're sending small amounts, then the fixed fees are, are, are killing you. So either. Way, you want
1: to know the difference between those. For me, it's really the speed. I mean, I can take a coin, send it to an exchange, exchange it for a stable coin, exchange it to another coin, send it to another exchange. Exchange it to a stable, change it to a stable coin, exchange it to another coin, send it to another exchange, and make a payment there within 30 minutes.
0: Or oh, you just also, send the asset. a
1: lot of steps, but I did that in 30 minutes. What I just explained. Now, it would have been a lot easier if I could just send it from the first to the seventh step, but then it would cost me $20 more.
0: Well, that depends on which coin it is. Uh, if you're talking about the network, the Ethereum network, then you're going to see it with a months, but if you're talking Bitcoin or some yeah. other coin, the direct send is the way to go.
1: Yeah. Unfortunately, on the exchange where I do the payments, I cannot exchange to save a card. Don't ask me why, but imagine that with a regu- with a regular bank transfer, then it would be one one, actually one payment, but it worth, it wouldn't be on my bank account in thirty in, in thirty minutes. Okay, staking a coin for three months. So yeah, I think that's the
0: next thing you could look at is proof of work and proof of stake and what staking is and getting your feet wet on that, and in this context. Staking basically promises, oh, lock your coins for a period of time, in this case three months, and get rewarded. So you could compare it to the traditional world like if you had if you would put uh, money into your savings account from your bank that you get a uh, return rate, etc. It's pretty similar to staking if you're looking at the monetary side, but yeah, you're locking the coins up for a certain period and not using it.
1: Okay. I think it's time for some over and unders to close it up.
0: Yeah, sure. Um, let's do some to each the uh, rapid fire over under. We could keep it in this team. I think.
1: Yeah, I think we're perfectly fine.
0: Do you want to go uh, first or should I go first? No, I'm going to give you the opportunity to go first because it happens too often that I steal yours, right?
1: No, it's okay. So MetaMask. Overrated or underrated? See,
0: I was gonna say MetaMask. <laughs>
1: ah.
0: <laughs> MetaMask is proper properly rated right now in my opinion. There are other wallets popping up to make it more User-friendly, Frame is another one, Coinbase came with their own self-custody wallet as well. But MetaMask itself is properly rated because it is the most common or well-known and battle-tested one. It still has its, like, it's not as user-friendly for beginner, but once you're acquainted with the space, it is the go-to place for doing stuff. So I'd say properly rated Okay, next one then for me.
1: PFPs
0: in June
1: twenty twenty two. Oh yeah, we did this before. I still don't think it's I I'm I'm pretty sure it's currently overrated, but it will be underrated in a year time. Okay. Got it. Yeah. We're we're just not it's very underdeveloped at the moment. Yeah. The buy on a low, sell on a high strategy.
0: People say it, 95% of people don't do it. I would say overrated. What is underrated to counter this point is dollar cost averaging. That is severely underrated. People try to time the market buying low and selling high, but I would recommend just dollar cost average that meets. Buy in a regular frequency a set amount and add it to your portfolio. So if it's every month, every two months, see what's works for you and make a set amount like ten dollars, fifty dollars, what you can afford, obviously. But keep consistently doing that over time. So buy low, sell high strategy overrated, but to counter that, dollar cost averaging is the way to go for me at least. All right, then I'll end it with
1: blockchain gaming. (laughs) Mm, Feel the same way for the PSPs. I think at this rate, there are too many things coming out on their model of players. So there's, there's kind of. Slow, oversupply. Yeah, there's a very big oversupply at the moment. I think that's that's a big issue because the rate of new people is it's like the, the problem they didn't what, what people underestimated is they they were thinking of a linear growth and a continuous growth. And on the we're not there yet as an industry. So a lot of projects, FT projects, but also games are suffering from not getting enough new players in. And that kind of drains on the, the already existing players, because it's them who have to constantly invest in in, in keeping it going. And that, well, it just doesn't work. It, it, it devalues kind of everything. But in the long run, it's, it's heavily underrated because the ones that will survive, the games that are actually really good. When when the next jump of new gamers comes in and starts understanding these games, it's gonna it's gonna explode.
0: I don't wanna divert too much, but I do wanna know your thoughts on the backlash that traditional gamers are giving to this space. Do you do you have any
1: Yeah? No, I don't have any comments on it for now.
0: Because that that is something that's really prevalent. Uh, in the space, like traditional gamers, hate or like absolutely don't like how the space is going.
1: Yeah, it's 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 a lose lose. It's it's you're too much, and there's not really a lot you can do at the at the moment because people are impatient. People are really impatient, and you just have to remember when you're doing a blockchain game, you should treat it as a regular, a regular game. You shouldn't play the game if you think the game is awful, but you think you can make money. That's exactly. not you the game. You play the game because you actually like the game. It should be a game first, and then the uh, blockchain and, element
0: can add something to it.
1: Yeah, and when you've spent hundreds or even thousands of dollars on games, playing games in your lifetime, you shouldn't complain about not making that much money from crypto gaming.
0: Yeah, I'd be I, I basically a $13 per month subscription for one of the games I play.
1: <laughs> That's a great way of looking at it. Hey, from from that go, I uh, thought this was a really fun episode and I do want to give it a continuation on a different topic.
0: Yeah. So if you've been listening to this, count how many points we've mentioned. We said we're going to the 69, but obviously we were never going to reach that. With
1: Oh, oh maybe they the, they, they. they Manage to count you know?
0: Yeah. Put that, share that with us somewhere on Facebook, YouTube, whatever it is, and add some stuff that you think beginners can also do if we haven't mentioned it yet. We have a, just before we close up, I see a comment coming in from, is that LinkedIn? Yes. LinkedIn about doing this in Dutch. Yeah. We deliberately not doing this in Dutch. so We can have a separate Dutch conversation, but not in the setting of social convos. Let's Basically the format of the show, that's why we're doing it in English. But yeah, if you want to just have a fun offline conversation, just reach out to us and we can see what we can do. Always happy to share about these topics. Closing touch and look, and then you can wrap us off.
1: So this was just getting as much details in as possible in a fun format. I hope you guys enjoy it. As always, this audio version or the audio version of this episode will be available in the weekend.
0: Might what... not be this weekend, but <laughs> I'll, I'll do my best. <laughs> <laughs>
1: also are available on confoscom slash social We will be back here next week, same place, same time. Maybe with my face or maybe with my high funk again. Have a yeah. great night. Go oh, play your face. <laughs> All right. Good night. Thanks for people for joining in. This was it. See you. Bye bye.